is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, we're back. Uh, this time, a different setting. We were pitch side earlier, uh, doing some work, but now we're uh, up here at the stadium uh, with David Barter, club secretary, to to continue our thousandth episode. Dan, uh, we've got again very lucky to be able to speak to him, and we've got some great questions to kind of bring a little more insight into the club as a whole. Well, first off, thanks for taking the time to speak with us, David, and giving us an opportunity to chat with you here on the fourth floor of Stamford Bridge and the organizational end of it, a little bit off the football pitch, which is where a lot of your work is really, you know, again, I think you think you refer to it as you play in the midfield. You're uh, kind of working the ball back and forth between everybody. But maybe for those who don't know, like what is... You know, what is your role been? What is your history with the club? Because it is uh, a very long and tenured kind of history that you have with Chelsea. Okay, well, obviously my role is I'm also sort of director of football operations, which is a title that sort of evolved from the normal club secretary role because as the club's got bigger and obviously playing in Europe, playing on world tours, uh, my responsibility has increased over the, over the years. As, in, as the club secretary role, which is like the football administration role, and then I'm responsible for everything to do with the legislations regarding FIFA, UEFA, the Premier League, the FA, EFL. All that sort of comes under my umbrella. And there's obviously I've got to ensure that the club is in line with all those rules and regulations. And then for my operational side, it, then I'm responsible, obviously, for all the fixtures, whether they be domestic, whether they be in Europe, or whether it be on tour. And obviously, being at Chelsea in the recent years, we've added the FIFA World Club Championship, Champions League finals. I think I've probably been responsible for the full operation of probably 35 major finals since we've been here. Do you think anyone has broken that record in terms of uh, compared to your record of kind of overseeing that many finals? No, at the moment, I'm probably the only person that's, uh, <laughs> that's done that. And and at least in 21 of those, we've been victorious, um, which makes the job worthwhile at the end. Although when those finals are taking place and you're responsible for the operation, you don't actually enjoy them um, because there's still work to do post-match. And it's only when you come the next day, you re the realisation that you've won a trophy that you then do open the bottle, shall we say. <laughs> That's uh yeah that is that is a lot which is exciting and I think we'll definitely kind of get into some of those but yeah you'd mentioned you've been with the club almost 21 years um obviously been in in football management and operations for for much longer than that um it's kind of an interesting story of how you got to Chelsea um but I guess like now that you've been here so long things have evolved quite quite interestingly enough and and as we look at transfers I think in in general because you know fans love a good transfer and a good transfer story um, how has that kind of evolved over the two decades of, of transfers? I suppose I can give you a prime example. Is you take Idegard Johnson, who came from Bolton Wanderers for six million at the time. Now, the actual transfer paperwork consisted of an A4 piece of paper. On the front was the transfer fee, and on the back were the signatures. But now you look at an, a, a transfer fee now and it would be something like 25 to 30 pages long all drafted by lawyers from both sides so what was just a quite a simple transaction now takes a hell of a long time to negotiate and it's basically the lawyers rather than the football administrators i would sort of say well i mean a lot of extra reading to say the least um you know i'm sure at the agents dan right i'm sure that they're 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 making things a little bit more complicated I guess from your perspective and that evolution of the the contract and, and the way that it's put together, how 
how do you view like the internet in terms of like the speed of being able to get a deal done? Because obviously a one sheet of A4 paper with signatures on the back sounds like it's a, a 30 second conversation. Well, put it this way, in my early days when there was no computers to start with, is that we'd end up with a typewriter, which a piece of carbonated paper so that you could get to as many copies as you can and you'd have to type them. And if you needed like, for instance, four copies of the contract, your typewriter would only take two at a time. So you had to type the contract out twice as opposed to doing it now once on, on a, com a computer. And one of the things just recently, this has come out of the pandemic, is something called DocuSign. Mm -hmm. Now, DocuSign was never recognized prior to the pandemic. And what that's done now is whereas you're running around faxing, like the old fax machines, etc. now you can actually sign documents on your phone. You know, I've been just recently during the window, I was actually traveling in the car and I was able to sign the documents on my phone sitting in the passenger seat of a car. Whereas before, I used to have to be physically get the, obtain the signatures mm -hmm. of people wherever they were. And I think I probably you asked me, can I relate to a transfer? And I probably the best one where I can give you an example of where we actually needed signatures that we were on the plane in the Premier League Asia Cup in Hong Kong. But prior to arriving in Hong Kong, we played in Malaysia and Thailand, two particular friendly games. And at the time, AVB was the manager, and he wanted to sign Oriol Romeo mm -hmm. from Barcelona, who was playing in their B team. Now, the transaction started, negotiations started while I was in Malaysia. It then continued while I was in Thailand. Now, you've got to also bear in mind the time difference, why things were taking so long. Then completed the transaction in Hong Kong. The end of the tour, I flew back to Heathrow on the Sunday, then went into the office on Monday, put all the paperwork, because it had to be physical paperwork. Mm -hmm. I put all the paperwork in place in the office on the Monday. Then I flew out to Madrid on the Monday because Oriol was playing in the under-20 World Cup for Spain out in Colombia. I then had to fly to Bogota, <laughs> <laughs> and that was an interesting one because when I got to Bogota, I got picked up because fortunately we were um, sponsored by Adidas at the time. Mm -hmm. So th they were involved in the World Cup. So they were helping my sort of travel arrangement. I got to Bogota. As I got to the hotel, there was two armed guards outside. And I thought, this is interesting. I literally had to carry from here to the end of this room. But they carried, they, as soon as they carried my bag, escorted me into the hotel. I then got into the hotel and I said I needed, I've got to catch a flight in the morning to go to Manez, which is um, obviously in the Andes somewhere where the World Cup was being played. And I went into my room and they asked me would I like to come down to the restaurant. But I laid there and I put the television on and the first thing I saw in television was a truckload of bodies on a bridge and all the bodies were then being thrown into the water. So the first thing I did was get the chair, put it up against my hotel room and rather than have a meal, I ended up eating all the M&Ms and everything out of the fridge. That was my, my meal. And then, of course, apparently then a resident band played in the restaurant, kept me awake all night. And eventually, when I got, went down in the morning to catch this other plane, I said to him, look, you know, I need to get to the airport. It, it should have been booked, but the guy never turned up. So they said to me, well, first of all, we'll take you, but we'll put you in the back of the car, blacked out windows because you've got pale skin. And the last thing that happened is that whatever traffic lights you were going to st stop at, you'll be, you know... So, so I'm loving this. I'm really looking forward to this, this transfer. So eventually when I got on the plane and I flew through 
round the Andes, come around this mountainside, and it was just this plateau of this city. And they actually, Adidas put me in the same hotel, lucky enough, with the Spanish national team. So the player was there. And then the first person I walked in was the president of the Spanish FOA, who knows me, and then started questioning what I was doing there. <laughs> and, you know, well, they wouldn't let me see the player. And then eventually, because I knew him, I said, look, I'll be in an hour, we do the paperwork, and I'll be out of your hair. So the, the, Spanish, the president allowed me to sign Romeo. And I got all the paperwork, and I stayed to watch his game. And it was a double-header game. So I watched the game, and then I said, right, I'll go back to the hotel. They said, there's no way you're leaving this stadium. You're going to have to sit and wait and watch the other game because we'll have to take you back to the hotel. You know, it was obviously not safe. So eventually, eventually I got home, so then via flew to Bogota, Bogota to Madrid, and then back to London with all the paperwork intact, all signed. So that's probably, that transfer started in uh, Thailand Jeez. and Malaysia and ended up via that. So that's probably one of the longest transfers I've ever been involved in. And, you know, I got on very well with Romelu and um, even though he didn't make it at Chelsea, at least he made a great living at Southampton. Mm-hmm. And every oh, time yeah. he went to Southampton, you know, he was a lovely fellow. So I got enjoyment at the f- final outcome, but obviously to actually get those physically. But now... I wouldn't have had to go to, to Bogota. I'd have just done DocuSign. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the ma- <laughs> main things, if I can give you an example of the yeah. difference between how you used to do a transfer. I mean, that's obviously a wild story, multi-continent, juggling all these different pieces. And, you know, just now, like you said, you can just electronically swing one over and, and be done with it. But you you picked an interesting time, apparently, to go to Colombia over a, over a single player's transfer. Yes. I mean, would you have like a team? So like you're in Colombia, someone else is like in Germany and someone's in Italy or whatever it is. <laughs> or were you the guy that I was had to go everywhere? I was the guy that had to go anywhere in those days. Yes. Wow. You know, it's, um, fortunately enough, they gave me a sort of a, a, not a bodyguard, but someone that looked after me. He was a massive guy, he looked like a, an Indian, long hair, and I've stayed friends ever since, and he's actually come across to a, to say thank you. I've invited him to a Chelsea game when he was in, in England. So you do actually get the benefit of actually meeting new people and, and striking up friendships, and if you ever give a, a situation in another, you've always got someone you can call upon. So yeah. you, do, you do make a lot of friends in this game. With all the travel that you've had, you know, one of the places that Chelsea has made a little bit more recent history, you know, the the time that we've been doing this podcast over nine years is coming to the U.S. And there's been the growth of the U.S. Chelsea supporter. You've had a chance to be on several U.S. tours. How have you seen the fandom in the U.S. kind of grow and evolve over that time? Oh, it's absolutely, it's grown um, incredibly. I remember going, it must have been about 2004, and we went on tour, we went to Seattle, trained at Seattle, and Pittsburgh. And at the time, I think we were getting crowds of about 25,000, 30,000. Now that's so much as the, the, what we built up in the US with the supporters clubs and everything. And now we go back to the States and we're playing in front of 60,000. And then it's not, because one of the things that we wanted to do is when we went to the States is to establish the club, mm-hmm. you know, the brand and everything else. and by bringing with us people like the foundation and setting up the soccer camps. Because what we wanted to do, we wanted to leave a legacy in the cities that we've been to. Because a lot of clubs at the time, Barcelona, Real Madrid, they were just coming over for the money, playing the game and disappearing. But that's why we set up training camps and being in cities, because we wanted to establish ourselves and leave some form of legacy that when we left, everybody still continued to remember Chelsea Football Club. 
not just a visiting team that come in and play the game on and went. And I think our foundation had done really, really well in in their role, establishing the helping establish the clubs within the states. Um, as I say, every time we've gone there, and just a little fact is that when we, first of all we went to Pittsburgh, that particular year they won the Super Bowl after we'd been there, mm -hmm. used their training facilities. <laughs> we then went to Seattle. The same year that we went and trained that summer, Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl. And then we went to Philadelphia and stayed in Philadelphia Eagles, where we're possibly saying this year, they won the Super Bowl. So we've been to the States, used three NFL training grounds, and each one of those has won the Super Bowl afterwards. So they must have learned something from us, surely. The real question is, we need to know the ones in advance to go put in a bet while I... <laughs> yeah. That's probably the next thing well, we need to do. Betting is out for us, guys. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't but, get involved yeah. in that. And at this point, you're going to be getting offers from NFL teams to host Chelsea at their <laughs> at their oh, training facility. Absolutely, you know. It's uh, but again, the one thing from from a football perspective, you know, I'm not I'm not the marketing man, I'm not the commercial man, I'm the football man, and I've got one of the things that when we go on preseason, we have to ensure that it's preparation for the Premier League, so that. And then all the commercial and everything, we then try and bolt on around it to make sure. And we try to find the best training facilities when we go to the various cities. And that's when the NFL training facilities, you know, you can't get better than some of those facilities. Yeah. Unfortunately, when I get back, the medical department are putting a request for bits of equipment they've seen in the States, <laughs> which then ends up costing us money. You know, so, but as I say, it's, it's preparation for the Premier League in the first instance. And then what we can do as much as we can do around it to obviously generate the name of Chelsea. Do you have a favorite project that the foundation has been able to do as a part of those U.S. tours? I mean, we've had a chance to see like a lot of the uh, say no to hate and the anti-Semitism campaigns, the things that the foundation have done. We've seen the, the work with the kind of individual soccer camps too, but is there one that sticks out in your mind as a very favorite project not so much a favorite because i can't have favorites really to be able to, every one of them has been good for the club mm -hmm. and if it's good for the club then it's it's, it's great yeah you know, i remember when i was in new york going up to harlem and mm -hmm. and seeing everything that was going on up there for example yeah because there's the youth the youth clubs up there that, yeah. that chelsea work with yeah that's really cool um yeah and we've seen a lot you know i think of you know, to those, to what Chelsea playing Real Madrid in the big house in Michigan, you know, 110,000 people. I mean, the crowds are, are just spectacular. So it's got, you know, it's great to see. Obviously, you're in the United States last uh, summer and we're essentially in three NFL stadiums. I mean, Camping World is might as well be at that level, but it's just really cool to see the game grow. And obviously, you know, it's a lot of hard work behind the scenes you guys have done. Um, you know, talking about transfers i guess i we always love a good story and obviously the oriel Romeo one was crazy it was wild but favorite kind of transfers over the 21 years i mean they've evolved so much and, and things like that but uh any any other kind of like wild stories not not so much wild i think when you sign a player you know you may or may not be taking a gamble but when you actually sign that player and then they actually work out for the club then you get the satisfaction that's one of our best transfers signing that particular player you know, if it's not a, a world beater at the time or someone that was a reasonable fee and then goes on to become that player, and that's when you get more... Oh, I was involved in his, his transfer at the time. You know, because in my career, I probably signed, including contracts and transfers, I'd lost count after 3,000, you know, so I, I know I'd, I've been involved with contracts and transfer agreements now for my, you know, in all my career. Yeah, and it's probably got to be... 
I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is is it extra special when you're signing that academy graduate from Cobham to the kind of a first team deal? Well, in fact, this season is actually probably another unique situation for probably myself and anybody really, is that we Leo Castledine, mm-hmm. who is one of our scholars, is now a pro. Just scored a winner against Arsenal. A, against Arsenal. I signed him, obviously, as a scholar and signed his first professional contract. But the picture that we took was with his father because when I was at my previous club, Wimbledon, I actually signed him as a scholar and signed him on his first professional contract. So we had a picture that I was actually with the father and son. Both had signed their the scholarships and both had signed their first professional contracts. Generational. So, yeah. So, so that, I think that's one of the first times it's ever happened. So for an administrator like myself to be in that position and, and both my signature was on their contracts. So for me, that was a good good little piece of uh, history for me. Wow. Um, as you kind of think about the looking maybe like ahead as to like what, you know, are the things that like you want to kind of, you know, continue to accomplish and continue to do within like your role and your capacity, are there things that excite you in terms of like what, what comes next within your role or kind of as you continue to expand scope? Well, I think in this particular sport is you can look back on what we've achieved Um in my role and the success that we've had but that is yesterday's fish and chip paper you know you've always got to move forward you know you'll forget the past continue and hopefully you can carry on fulfill, fulfilling the success that the club's had since it was since i've been here mm-hmm. and that's so that's my ambition so every, i just get excited every time every game you get excited even though you say i've worn the t-shirt you know to be honest i've I'm privileged, apart from working for Chelsea, but being in that position where I've been responsible for the operation of a, a World Club Championship, mm-hmm. European cha- Champions League, Europa Cup, FA Cup, League Cup, Community Shield. And I'm suddenly realised I've had that opportunity that no other people have experienced. But I still get that buzz. I still get that same feeling with the next one. And you're still out to want to win the next one. Obviously, last year, during the sanctions, we got the two domestic cup finals. And I was just as gutted for losing those cup finals, even though I'd, I'd won them previously. You just still got that feeling. You feel as disappointed, mm-hmm. not just for myself, but disappointed for everybody who's put the effort into it to get into those finals. And then those two finals in particular, when we were under government sanctions, when it was sort of difficult, you know, you couldn't even buy a... Uh, box of tea bags without getting government approval but you had to have a whole operation under restrictions and for the staff and everybody that worked under those restrictions to even get to two domestic finals was fantastic Mm -hmm. you know it was an interesting year last year when people say look back on 22 we started the year in Abu Dhabi you know we're suddenly world champions and then unfortunately we had the war situation when then in government sanctions under two uh, two domestic cup finals. We then ended up under new ownership. Mm-hmm. And then some of our players then had it, the added high again of being selected for their countries for the World Cup. So the training ground, everybody involved at training ground, it was a, an unbelievable team. I don't think anybody else has experienced that. Mm-hmm. But we're still here. We're still here kicking a ball. So we must have done something right during that period of time. Yeah, no, so true. Well, I like I said, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot. I mean, at this point, you're probably like, 
there's nothing left that can surprise me, but I think we all say that, and there will be something, oh, there, there, right? There will be. No, there's something about football that there's something always around the corner that you don't expect. Yeah, that's great. Anything else? No, we just want to thank you so much for the time to spend with us for the stewardship that you've had of the the club and uh, you know continuing to sign all those contracts and uh, bring us players, which in turn have brought us uh, you know as fans uh, great success to watch from at home or when we're here at the bridge. So we're we're very appreciative for the work no, that you and everybody do. No, it's a pleasure. And it's a pleasure to actually work for the club, and because I only look upon myself, I know I'm a board member. Mm-hmm. I only look at myself as a, a custodian or guardian of your football club. And, you know, I just wish you every success with your, your podcast. I hope may it continue. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Yeah, and we're, again, uh, love all the effort we get, you know, on the summer tours and stuff. It's really cool, especially when it comes to our backyard. We just know is speaking for fans abroad is a large. Anytime Chelsea goes to the different countries, um, it does mean a lot to the local fans. So, again, thanks for setting those up. But, uh, again, David, appreciate all the time. Um, that's it for us. Again, episode 1000. A lot of really cool information coming at you guys. Hope you've enjoyed it. My pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. Cheers, guys.